Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. Now it's time for Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack. We got a great episode of Spotlight Star Wars on tap for you guys. Geek girl diva Shane O'Neill back in studio. You love her work on Star Wars Rank. Well, the last time she was here, 
We recorded a Star Wars ranked, and she said, well, I got something else on my mind. I don't have a place to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, you do. Yeah, Force Center. So, Geek Girl Diva and I uh, had a conversation about L3, the solo novel. It was before I, or actually heard, read the solo novel, so it's uh, it's a couple weeks old, but we're still going to listen to it and see where my mind falls now. And we'll get a follow-up from her down the line as well. Got a listener memory from a longtime Force Center fan. An in-memoriam, you know, we try to pull your heartstrings with these in-memoriams. This one might, uh, well... It's not going to be any different. At least I hope. I wanted to have a little fun, though, with lightsaber fighting forms today. All right, if you listen to Force Center long enough, you've heard me say, I'm not a Legends guy. I'm not a Legends fan. I didn't really take a deep dive into the expanded universe. I started to, along with a lot of people in the mid-90s. And for me, after the Heir to the Empire trilogy, the Jedi Academy trilogy, I just it wasn't, my, wasn't my Star Wars, and I separated myself from it. And that's okay. And it's okay if you loved Legends and still love Legends. And it's okay if, say, you don't like Solo, and I do. Uh, That's how we're all going to have to get along as Star Wars fans. We're going to have to hold on to each other tightly and weather these Star Wars fandom uh, uh, storms. And I think it's okay. But I wanted to take some time and go into the lightsaber combat forms, which, I, you know, they're canon. I know there's seven of them, but I couldn't tell you Form 1 from Form 2 or Form 50. I don't know. I just never have. It's not. It's a blind spot of my knowledge. But I wanted to have some fun with it today because I think it's one of uh, many interesting things that have popped up in Star Wars Legends, Expanded Universe. And that's why a lot of those things do end up reappearing in new Star Wars canon, get pulled back in to Star Wars canon, or they are there just maybe in an up. Uh, you know, not as robust form, and I think lightsaber combat forms is canon, just and always has been canon since they popped up. But uh, it's not, you know, there's not textbook after textbook in Star Wars canon yet. Maybe it will be, but it's fun. I get it. I don't particularly need to know what my favorite Jedi's lightsaber forms are. It doesn't. A factor into the story or my enjoyment of the story for me, but I do think it's interesting. I've never had a problem with that. It's it's actually kind of fun. It makes sense. If we're going to get that detailed into fandom, if I know the different type of blasters and we're not just saying Stormtrooper blasters, but we're saying E-11s, like it would make sense, especially coming out of the prequel era. If we're seeing Yoda teach some younglings and in turn teaching Obi-Wan about maps and deleted planets... If we're seeing that kind of stuff, it would make sense that the Jedi would obviously have some sort of combat school, some combat classes and lessons and thoughts and approaches on that. In fact, I'm interested in this notion that until the Clone Wars, it had been a while since Jedi had kind of really had to break out the lightsabers. Now, again, did they? Yeah. Even in Phantom Menace, we saw um, Qui-Gon and and Obi-Wan have to break them out. And we know in other adventures... Yeah, between Phantom Menace and Clone Wars, the young uh, that that Obi Wan and Anakin comic, which was uh, interesting, not my favorite, but it had some good stuff. They break them out there. We know lightsabers were in use, but since the war with the Sith, I have to imagine until we get more information, lightsaber combat, just like Jedi becoming generals, not something they really dealt with on a regular basis. So it would make sense to me too, following the Clone Wars, that would be kind of a refocus. Uh, on the styles, on the training. And today, here, live, I'm recording live. The show's not live. I'm recording live 
And I have not looked at these lightsaber forms. I have them up on a little page on my computer box. And live to tape, I'm going to go through them with you guys and maybe try to find the form that I would want and the forms that maybe I like based on the Jedi that use them. Now, from this vantage point, from where I'm sitting right now, I'll tell you guys, if you ask me, hey, Ken, what's your lightsaber form? Which one do you want to use? It's Vader's. Not Anakin's. Vader's. Now, what is Vader's style? To me, it's just a uh, wrecking shop. Yeah. Does he have a form? I'm sure he does. I'm sure we're going to find out. Did Vader still kind of take Anakin's forms and then add some new stuff in, some new wrinkles that he learned from Palpatine and, and other uh, places and sources along the way? I'm sure. I'm sure he did some sparring with the Inquisitors and picked up some new tricks along the way. I don't think Vader's the type of bean that would hold himself to one particular form. And that's why I like it. The Rogue One hallway scene. I don't think Vader has a form. The form is death, as in you're about to die because Vader's here. I like that kind of mauling tactic. I, I've done, um, I haven't trained in any sword fighting class, anything, by the way, but um, I've jokingly played around with some people who are trained in broadsword fighting, all that kind of stuff, with a couple lightsabers around the office, that kind of thing. And here they are trying to do this and do all their wonderful training. And I'm just like, I've got a baseball bat and, and I'm hitting a pinata at a birthday party. That's my lightsaber fighting form. And I think Vader might be this closest to that. So let's do it. I'm going to bring up the old internet page, our friend Wikipedia. We like going there. And I've got some lightsaber combat. Now there's a Legends tab. You tick on, you tick, uh, tick on over to the Legends tab. Uh, click. Did I say tick? I meant click. But tick, you can tick on over as well. And, ooh, that is a lot. There is a lot of stuff. We got, ooh, mover. Oh, wow. We got a, ooh. Good information here in the Legends tab for lightsaber combat forms. But we're gonna go up to the we're gonna go up to the canon tab. It's still a little quicker for me to read here. And you look, hey, if you're at home, I don't encourage this if you're driving and listening, but if you're at home, bring it up right now. Press pause on the podcast. Boop. Boop. Now you're back and you got the uh, Wikipedia page up right too. Right now as well. Uh canon tab. It's got the, got the quote from Obi-Wan up top. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I should become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. That's great. All right. Let's go. I know there's seven forms. And I'm going to read these. I have to click. Not tick, but click on over. Form one, Shi Cho. All right. That is form one. Notable practitioners. Interesting. The Grand Inquisitor, former Jedi Temple Guard. Kit Fisto. Kit Fisto, Form 1. Form 2, and some of you are probably like, yeah, Ken, I know the forms. Well, good for you. I'm learning. Form 2 is uh, Mugashi. Oh, Mugashi is Form 2. Interesting. Notable practitioners include Darth Tyrannus, Dooku, the Grand Inquisitor. Got a lot of skills, that Grand Inquisitor. Kanan Jarrus, interesting. Kiati Mundi, and Asajj Ventress. It does note Kanan Jarrus, Possibly. Possibly. Okay. It would make sense that Asajj uh, Ventress uh, would learn this from Dooku. Uh, and they're saying the reason after being rendered blind, Ken Jarrus trained Sabine Ren with a stance similar to Dooku, suggesting some familiarity with Form 2. All right, Form 3. Form 3 is also known as the Way of the Minoc or Shoriso. Shoriso. 
But I like Form 3, The Way of the Minoc. That sounds like a great Star Wars story we need. Uh, I like that. All right, so all right, so notable practitioners. Again, the Grand Inquisitors listed here. Woo, got some skills. Defa Balaba, and then Caleb Doom. That would make sense. Barra Sophie, Luminara Unduli. That would make sense. They're trained together. And Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that would make sense because there's a picture here from the... Uh, the comics, and this is actually from the Canaan comics, so it's Deppin Balaba and young Caleb Doom. And they do that kind of, the, how do you describe it? The pointing. So they got the lightsaber back in their hand, but it's pointed, and then their other hand's pointed out. Uh, Obi-Wan does that in The Clone Wars uh, and in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, right? He does that with General Grievous and Sith, uh, particularly that comes to mind. That's Form 3, The Way of the Minoc. Form 4, Form 4, Utaru, Form 4, Utaro. Notable practitioners, let me guess, the Grand, uh, yep, the grand Inquisitor. All right, I guess he's got to learn it all. To defeat everybody, you must learn it all. Ala Sakura, Anakin Skywalker, Yoda. Okay. Taru is best uh, used to defend against incoming projectiles and was best suited for open spaces. Okay. Okay, that makes some sense. Uh, they're saying Anakin made adjustments to the classic form form techniques and demonstrated them in the holographic recording later found in Kanan Jarrus's holocron from Rebels and then uh, from uh, Sith as well. So, interesting. Form 4, Utaru. That would be Anakin Skywalker's. There's even a quote, keeping your saber moving is key to deflecting the fire from multiple adversaries, fluid motion, one into the next, into the next one, and so on. I've made some adjustments to the classic form for techniques that I think you'll find work well against droids and other ranged attackers. Here, I'll show you. Uh, and that's from Rebels. So I, I do remember that now a little bit more. There you go. That's probably the most canon I've heard about forms. Form 5 is uh, Dem Show or Shien form. And all right, here we go. Just looking at the picture on the page here. Ooh, a lot of people like Form 5. Very popular around the office, Form 5. Depa Balaba, Ada Gallia, Kanan Jarris, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kiati Mundi, Kat Keen, uh, Ayla Sakira, Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano, Mace Windu. We know Mace. He's good at fighting. Uh, so, um... You know, again, Luke, we know, it depends on what you're saying. Did he just pick something up? What did he have? You know, where did he learn this? Oh, Luke, just learning on the fly. But if Obi-Wan knew this one as well, then it would make some sense. And if Anakin practiced it also. So Form 5. Form 5. Form 6. This is Neiman. 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 N-I-M-A-N. Neiman. Uh, this is uh, Form 6. Sokotano Grand Inquisitor. Now, this was uh, it was used to combine double-bladed lightsaber combat with other force abilities like pushes and lifts. Uh, and then uh, we do have um, what do we have here? We've got uh, a quote from Barra Sophie. You often use a variant of Form Five, but if you use Form Six against me, it would have been more effective. Barra Sophie to a Sokotano. So there you have uh, even more. It's, it's more canon than even I care to admit. Final form, final form. We've reached our final form. This is 
Vapod or Juyo Form 7. Form 7. Guess what? You know who knows it? The Grand Inquisitor, Depa Balaba, Mace Windu, and Darth Maul. My apprentice, Darth Maul. And uh, this one uh, is considered the most aggressive and unpredictable form. Mace Windu was a notable practitioner. I'm reading from Wikipedia, of course. It was the only known master of the form in the Jedi Order that had not fallen to the dark side of the Force. It was also very popular among the Sith. Darth Maul uh, was one such practitioner. It was, of course, the Grand Inquisitor. It makes sense. The Grand Inquisitor's got to study everything. He's got to know. Good job, Inquisitor. What a good student. Okay. So those are the forms. I want to know your forms using the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars on Twitter, or you can reach out on Facebook. You guys know where to find us if you're longtime listeners. I want to know your favorite forms. I'm serious about this. I want to know your forms. Better yet, if you send a picture of yourself with a lightsaber, we'll retweet it. I'm sure we'll retweet it. I'm sure everyone will love it, not make fun of you. I'm kidding. What was the lightsaber kid in his garage? What was his form? You know what his form was? Cool. Because I've done that. And there before the grace of God, go I. A couple years later, if technology had been a little bit more easier to obtain, a couple years later, I think I'm lightsaber kid. Who doesn't like grabbing a flashlight and pretending you got a lightsaber? I used to have a big uh, 4D cell, uh, 4-cell D battery uh, flashlight things. I used to pretend that was a blaster. Good old E11. So we're talking about lightsabers. Let's talk about lightsaber kid. That poor lightsaber kid. And it did kind of ruin his life. He was affected by it. It was funny. We used to love joking around with it. But you know what? I would have been there too. His form. His form was awesome. All right. So looking at all these, I go back to form four. I'm intrigued by uh, what we got going on here. Um Invented, uh, you know, so, so it does point out the lightsaber forms are invented by the Jedi Order. Well, I would imagine they all would be. It'd be weird if someone else was like, hi, I'd like to go door-to-door teaching lightsaber styles. Uh, so Form 4, again, we attach this a lot to, and again, an a- acrobatic combat style. I'm not, I'm not, the, the, we're trying to find my form. I wouldn't gravitate to that one. Let's go back to Form 1 see what each form kind of is. Form 1 is the oldest and most rudimentary form of lightsaber combat. combat. Um, after the creation of the other combat cells, the first one was often used when all others had failed. <laughs> the fact that Kit Fisto is known to practice Form 1 and all others had failed, that might explain his failure against Palpatine. I think we all expected a little bit more out of Kit Fisto when they went to arrest Palpatine. The others, Agent Kolar, you got it. I got it. You know, tough times down at the Cracker Factory. I get it. But Kid Fisto, we had some higher hopes against Palpatine. He should have learned a little bit more than Form 1. I don't see Form 1 being... I I, I see Form 1 being something I could understand. Form 2 is a more graceful combat style. All right? It's more graceful. A specialist form for duels. With opponents belonging to the Sith Order, Form 2 relied on careful and controlled strikes instead of power and strength. That is great for Ventress. That makes sense. Kiati Mundi does have some grace to him. I understand the Jairus thing a little bit. And Dooku. Dooku, that makes sense with Dooku. I love Dooku's style. I love his curved hilts. I love everything about what Dooku's got going on. 
And um, that makes some sense. Uh, all right, it makes some sense. But it's graceful. It's not for me. I'm not a particularly graceful athlete. Form three, um, focused on defense and attack. This is the one, again, that we uh, attribute a lot to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm fighting, I like defense. De- defense is important, but I don't know. Form five. Form 5, uh, turning... Uh, oh, I like Form 5. Form 5 allowed a Jedi to deflect blaster fire back at the opponent, turning the Jedi's defense into offensive action. Uh, the uh, DM show variant, uh, Form 5 was also based on defending with solid blocks and parries and immediately counter with strong counterattacks. counterattacks. It was geared toward and created for lightsaber to lightsaber combat, but also reasonably use for, useful for blast defection. Again, that would make sense why Vader had it, and uh, that's the picture. They don't say they don't say Vader. They say Anakin. But I'm getting picky on that. But the picture here on Wikipedia is of Vader. That makes sense. Ahsoka Tano uh, was known to prefer this as well. So I'm leaning towards Form Five. What's your guys' form right now? What's your leader in the clubhouse? Form Six. This is more again the double bladed one. I don't have the skill or grace to have a double bladed lightsaber. I know I'm not going to use Form Six. Go back to Form Seven. Um, Again, Form 7, aggressive and unpredictable. Mace Windu's form. Darth Maul. Now, I'm not I'm not someone who thinks I'm going to fall to the dark side, but I might toe the line a little bit. So for me, it comes down to Form 5 or Form 7. Based on my own personal style, what I've been like in scrapes and battles before in my life, I think I'm coming down on Form 7. Form 5 looks great. Blocking blasters is key. You start firing blasters at me, I'm going to start closing my eyes, ducking, maybe even running. So Form 7, Form 7 seems to be the winner for me. Uh, Vapad or Juyo, all right? It's the alternate names there. But Form 7, the most aggressive and unpredictable form. Mace Windu is the only one to use it and not fall to the dark side. So i got to bind my P's and Q's, make sure I don't give in to my anger, my hate, and fear. But I think this is the one for me. Form 7. Now I have an answer. This was research for future Star Wars conversations. Hey, Ken, what's your favorite lightsaber form? Oh, Form 7, Vapod. Are you familiar with it? Let me tell you. Mace Windu used it, and it's aggressive and unpredictable, just like me said the most predictable man in the world. All right, that was good. What is, what is your form? Seriously, let me know. And let me know your thoughts on forms. Again, still not one of the things I feel I need to know as a Star Wars fan. It doesn't add too much to the story for me. But for you, this might be something you really like. I know people who are fans of uh, combat training, combat fighting for actors, a lot of that kind of stuff. This might appeal to them. And it's a little fine detail in the Star Wars galaxy, and we love those fine details. So it makes sense. The lightsaber forms would be important. And I got mine, Form 7. All right, let's go to this interview. This is interesting. We, and we being me and Shane O'Neill, geek girl diva, she's come in for Star Wars ranked a few times and knocked it out of the park. We're going to have her back again. We're going to have her on other, on other stuff too, but I love her on Star Wars Ranked. She's really great. Understands Star Wars Rebels better than anyone I've ever met, 
and I know a lot of great Star Wars Rebels fans, insightful ones. But she had something else on her mind, something else on her mind, and it was about this L3 thing in Solo, both in the movie but in the novel. And we, the excerpt had come out, and we, we were talking about it, and she was upset by it. She had some questions about it. And she also had some stuff about L3 not getting enough credit for the Kessel Run, which is interesting to me. So she said, I don't really have a place to talk about it. I, as I said up top, I told her, yeah, you do. Four Center's here for you. So we recorded this. I'm putting this out now. But since then, I have read the book. I don't know if she's had the chance. In fact, you heard Joseph and I review it this past week here in Force Center. If you haven't, feel free to stop now, go back and check it out, or check it out after, and contrast and compare to see where my thoughts come down on. I hadn't read it. I wanted to get in context, the full context. Same with, with Shayna, but we wanted to talk about it now. And I know now from where I stand, having recorded the review, we put it out, having read the book, which I quite enjoyed, the L3 stuff, it's got some interesting little sticking points. And if you're someone who's, you know, a little rankled by the fact that L3, a droid who wanted to provide freedom for other droids who found her own kind of freedom, being stuck in the Falcon was an interesting choice. It works on some angles. I think the book does a good job in trying to get you to that point. The book also maybe makes a point of also saying why it doesn't work, or maybe the book just doesn't make make much sense in that regard. It was a little troubling thing for Joseph and I to come down on a final decision, and the truth is we don't have a final decision on what we think of this big plot point. It's a little confusing, a little muddied, and you know what? That's okay. That happens from time to time. But without further ado... Geek Girl Diva had some thoughts, and here she is to talk about it right now, here on Spotlight Star Wars. All right, Spotlight Star Wars, I have a special guest. You love her on Star Wars Rank. You've seen her around town and all over the internet talking about Star Wars, especially Rebels, but she's here now to talk about something else. Geek Girl Diva Shane O'Neill is in studio now. All right. We were recording a Star Wars rank not too long ago. Great episode about picking our teams. Uh, in the middle of that, you had a couple great ideas. Kanan being the future of the Jedi. Uh, I like that. We'll talk about that some other time. But you wanted, uh, you got a little uh, little bee in your bonnet over something over L3. And I want to know about it. And you have the forum here to talk okay, about Okay, so the bee in my bonnet about L3. The first, I will say, I like Solo. Yeah. There's, there is something in Solo I dislike. Okay. And it's what happened to L3. Gotcha. Um, Because L3 got shoved into the Falcon. Falcon, right. With no how do you do. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, your choices are die or become part of the Falcon. And at the time, I was like, wait a what? You know, like, so now we're, now the the canon is L3's part of the Falcon. So she's been part of the Falcon this whole time? Whole time. One one of the three droid And now that's creepy. Creepy. So. But, so there was that. Okay, so that. So now I'll say, no, we did a Star Wars counseling a little bit ago, Mm -hmm. Joseph Scrimshaw show. We talked about it. A lot of people have that thing. And we, we talked about it. We. We agree there's some bigger outside of the movie issues that some people have with that yes. that we understand. Yes. And then but just in story, we 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 thought is it is it really L three or is it just part of L three or everything like that? You know what I mean? Right. That's part of Was it her that's the question. The question yeah. was, is it was it just her data? Right. Is was she on Jakku? 
Right. Going, what's where happening to me? Where right? <laughs> if Unka plot comes in here again, it's the worst right. L3 voice in the world, but roll with me, people. Uh, All right. So, yeah, so I, that, I, I hear so you. I there. get that. And the big question was, and a lot of people said, well, maybe it's not her consciousness, maybe it's her data. Data. And that kind of thing, which if you got to, if you got to retcon it your brain, mm-hmm. you can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, they posted an excerpt from the new Star Wars. From Solo. Uh, solo, yeah. Or solo, solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. The new novelization. Right. And in the excerpt, they go into that and with L3. Right. Getting okay. put into the Falcon. So at the time we're recording, we, I have not read that. Not even the excerpt, but okay. but but uh, so when this comes out, maybe the book might be out. I just want to point that out to listeners. But okay, so so it's there. We get maybe an answer, right? So there's an excerpt, and the and in the excerpt, it is her consciousness. Oh wow! Well, which would make sense because the the Falcon makes dirty jokes star too, as we learned from Jason Fry's Last Jedi. Now, okay, right. so all right, so there. So the thing is, though, is that there's a conversation in there, and one mm. of the things is is that the Falcon sort of she says, "I didn't." Say this was okay. Mm-hmm. And the Falcon says, well, you did. You just don't remember. Mm. That there's some, there's an actual con- consent conversation here that <laughs> goes on. Between and L3 and, between the, and, the, L3 Falcon. and the Falcon. The and other two droid the brains Falcon, or the Falcon itself? Okay. And the Falcon basically tells her, no, you already said you wanted to be a part of me. You just, you did it a while ago. Interesting. And Interesting. It, doesn't sit well it with you. It doesn't sit well. And it's because the one thing I have a hard time with, and I really hope it's there somewhere else and I'm just missing it because it sure. could have. Okay. But I have a hard time with the concept that L3 never got a choice in her. She fights for droid rights. Right. She right. gives her life. Mm-hmm. Literally, yeah. Literally. Right. To save Lando mm-hmm. and... and to me, that's a worthy sacrifice, and she doesn't get to choose whether she lives or not. Mm. I have a hard time with that. Have a that. hard time. That even if it was, even if there's, and I'm hoping there's a conversation somewhere in the book there where, you know, basically she says, "Well, you're, I have no choice in the matter," and then it's mm. basically what the choice is. You, we can, we can join up, or yeah. you cease to right. be right. The so. That bothers me and that I don't think she got that choice. And I think if you're going to go into a story that talks about droid rights, Mm -hmm. and especially when you're talking about um, uploading a consciousness, because she's not like other droids. She, like Chopper and R2, have their own distinct personalities. They have not been white. Right. Over and over and over and over. 3PO's been wiped a few times. (laughs) Just a couple. (laughs) Um, But... uh, and so that's been sticking with me. And mm-hmm. so the other idea being that Han Solo has taken credit <laughs> for the Kessel Run for decades. His entire existence. His entire existence. Yeah. And I watched Solo, and in my mind, I'm like, Han Solo, you didn't fly the Kessel Run. L3, L3. did. Because she's the one. Because she was, if it had just been her dad, I would have given it to him. But if her consciousness is in there, then right, she right. flew it. So this is a deep philosophical Star and Wars question. I want to know. Because mm-hmm. it changes the canon in such a way. Okay. And look, ultimately, here's the thing. Yeah. I can be upset about this sure. and say, I don't like how this was done or I don't like how this was written. And 
truth is that if it's if that is exactly what this story turns out to be, right, right, if it stays out. If yeah. that's the way it is, and I'm just and I've read this excerpt, and this is the way the story is going, then basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, okay, that data gone. I'm just <laughs> I'm going to take that out of my brain. Yes, because that's the beauty of canon. I, I did that with the the Marvel run where they all go to the weird witch castle and, and Han and Luke get possessed and it, like that didn't happen. Yeah, even though it's canon by by Disney Lucasfilm standards, and no disrespect to the authors of that comic oh. run, just I didn't sit with but, me. But I may just say, well, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it was just her data. I appreciate that you're giving me this alternate, yeah, yeah. Uh, this alternate universe. I choose not to live in that universe. I don't go in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but but I. It just stuck with me, and the idea that that's mm-hmm. the one thing we've never mm-hmm. really looked at the idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of droids, yeah, and their autonomy. It's, it's still the it's still like slavery, and just everyone's yeah. like, it, it, well, it's weird because growing up, we didn't definitely didn't really think about it because you just I think in a way R two and three PO were their own characters, and yeah, it's grown up, you know. And then as as the story expands and the story goes, then it, that starts to come up. And then it's also weird because I've always looked at IG eighty eight. We just accepted that this droid was a bounty hunter that he decided now his programming was to go kill people so it was always there in front of us whether lucas intended it or not and i think most of the time he probably didn't right but i am interested now because it's being brought up kasdan john puts it in to solo that was something on his mind like yes droid rights and so it's there now well the droid it's in the, the droid rights line actually that was phoebe waller case of she oh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Bridge, yeah, yeah. So she put that. That was an that was an ad lib. Got it. What do you want? Droid rights. Right. <laughs> Equal rights. Equal rights. So so it's an interesting concept. Obviously plays yeah uh, outside the walls of Star Wars too now. But 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 just thinking even as a fan looking in the story, they have to at some point maybe come to some kind of terms with it. I mean, it, it's something they've done. Mm-hmm. And the hard part for me is is that I love the Falcon. Yeah, I love great, the yeah. Falcon. The Falcon is still, I mean, the Falcon and the Ghost are my two. Those are my it's, two ships. They're characters. And, but I never ascribed a personality to the Falcon beyond right. The Falcon. I never. I never thought of it as the ship had a consciousness. When Han and Empire says, when he says, well, "You need you to talk to the Falcon," you just you. You mean my Camry has a computer in it. I yeah, don't think my Camry exactly. Be a that's how you took it. Right. Yeah, that's how I took it. That's how I took now it. it's my nav- the nav computer. So wait, now your computer has a consciousness? Yeah, that's a big deal. And I feel like every once in a while, and maybe this is just a conversation that needs to be had at some point about the expansion of the canon. Mm-hmm. The more people you get into this, the more ideas you get into this, the more things are going to start to slip in. And then there yeah. has to be a little more of a question of, is that in line with yeah. this? Because maybe it's just something that the author came up with. Yeah. And then you're like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it does happen when you talk to some of the authors and how they're, they're set off to you know go write your book. Yeah. Um, uh, and I talked to my friend Maddie Rue, who wrote the the Brea Organa story, and, and from a certain point of view, and she was like, "I was like, how did it feel to write canon? You're nerve wracking. What did they tell you? Not much. Not much. So uh, I, I I think that I like that theory. I also like just in story here. Yeah. Let's just say it. Is. So it is according to this book, 
Do you think then for the next 30 years uh, until he lost the Falcon, do you think L3 just kept like getting mad at Han? Like, how I dare sure you? I hope she sass the hell. How dare you take credit for the castle run? I, I did it. You yeah. pressed the buttons I told you to press. You now, see that? The two things that would make this work for me, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is just the two things that would make it work for me is her having an actual choice. Mm hmm. And then, yeah, her sassing on. Sassing on. And then, what do you want in episode nine? If Lando sits down in the Falcon, which I do want, do you want them to acknowledge that L3's in there? Do you think it would be a fun I connection? I think you should apologize to her. An apologize. Okay, I even like that. I think you should apologize to her. And she, she got to I never talk, appreciated you, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Because what I, I didn't give you a choice. What I do like about her death, L3's death, the one thing I. I follow me on here, is it, it affects Lando in a way. Oh, yeah. To where now in canon, and taken a little bit from Legends, but now in canon, he is manufacturing droids. You know, he, he's trying, and, he, and it's, and last shot, uh, her sac, you know, her, her work is apparent in last shot. But even now, you know, from last shot, you know that this is what he's kind of doing. So I would love to see some sort of conclusion. Not just that, ah, the droid I love died, but I feel bad. And then I lost her in a gambling contest. <laughs> so I, there was some kind of make, make good and make uh, a makeup. I think that Lando, again, though, this is the mm-hmm. thing. When you, when you generate this stuff, it then poses these new questions. Right. So, I mean, this is a whole other conversation. But the yeah. idea that at some point you have to look at the repercussions of the things that people do. Mm-hmm. Because... Maybe, and maybe this is a good idea to understand that, that fans will make these connections. Right. People with microphones. And it'll affect them. Recording in the MacBooks will pick this up. Yeah. You know, and there are people <laughs> who are, I mean, upset. Yeah, yeah. Upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a valid, I think it's valid. Yeah. Um, to at least really scratch your head and say, ah, guys. Yeah. I absolutely like, and that's what Joseph and I were talking on the Star Wars counseling there. Like, I, 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 I get when uh, you know my old pal Maud Garrett brings up she's really upset that this this female character was trapped, and they're like, I, I'm going to shut up and listen to your anger over that or your problem with that. I feel like I have to do that, but also like, all right, so let's try to look at it from in story. But then that's I go to Jakku. I go, all right, I'm fine with it. It's a Nava computer or whatever. She died. I think the droid died, and she's definitely in a different form. Then <laughs> she's making jokes to R two. What is she doing for 30 years on right. Jakku? And that's exactly it. Yeah. Because if she has consciousness, why couldn't she fly herself out of there? Yeah, that's, even, uh. that's another good question. <laughs> Press the start button. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on autopilot. The minute you put yeah. a consciousness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I understand, you know, computers get their own glitches. Yeah. Like, I could see a computer talking... Because you know we've given computers a language, yeah, and and we it, you can definitely do that. But if you're talking about a droid consciousness that continues to learn mm-hmm. and continues to gather data, mm. I mean, whew. it scares me in real life because I'm going to come home and find my PS4 with legs walking yes, right? around. But but see, hopefully your PS4 uh-huh. has not been fed as much data as L3. I mean, yeah. seriously, though, if L3's literally been sitting on Jakku that long, yeah. how, seriously, why didn't she start the ship? That's a great question. I had not thought about that yet. <laughs> In all my L3 thoughts, 
Had not thought about that. Had not, had not thought is, about that. This is the thing. Is you do these things, I feel like at some point you got to extrapolate outward as yeah. far as you can. I love it. You're a deep thinker. Man, You're a deep thinker about that I have that too much topic. time on my hands. Nah, but it's good stuff. That's what we love to do here at Four Setter, and we love having special guests pop on the spotlight. Star Wars girl diva. You could follow her under that name pretty much every darn where on the internet. And uh, Shana, as always, thank you for coming on. Out. Thank you, Ken. We'll see you next time. All right, there you have it, Geek Girl Diva in studio. Always some deep thoughts, some good stuff, stuff to think about, chew on. And here's the thing. To me, you could question some things in these Star Wars movies, plot points, character decisions, writers, directors' decisions, and then still enjoy the films, and I think that's important. Now, if it takes your full enjoyment away, it does, and that that's the, the way it rolls. But I, I applaud Geek Girl Diva for not being afraid to dive into something she has an issue with which is another reason we have uh, Joseph Grimshaw and his Star Wars counseling here. There might be things you have issues with. We try to at least get you to a good spot on it, and we'll see. So if you haven't read the solo novel by Mara Lafferty, check it out. It's a good novelization, good adaptation of the movie, and adds a lot of things. Joseph and I put our review up. Read for yourself. And, hey, you can always go to audibletrial.com slash center. Try the book for free in audiobook form. And that would go help us. So we have listener memories here now. That's right. I didn't get to do this last time out for Spotlight Star Wars. I uh, apologize for that, but uh, my recording schedule was a little cramped, a little tight, so I had to race through it. But here we are now, and uh, we have a long-time Force Center listener and supporter. And if you want to share memory, here's how you do it. You become a Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash Center. I put a post out. You guys write a memory, and I'll read it. And react to it, and we could all have a f- warm, fuzzy memory together. And got some great ones this last time around. In fact, I'll tell you this, I got some long ones, and I mean that in a good way. There were some long, wonderful stories shared by you guys, and I will try to get to them all. But uh, this is from a long-time Force Center listener and supporter, someone whose last name has become a running joke here in Force Center, and they are very supportive of our joke. They understand it. Because uh, Mark Canope is here. And Mark Canope, we call Canop, Canope, Canapop, Canap, Canip. We uh, at one point just uh, so forgot to how to say the name correctly, even though Mark uh, tweeted us a few times, that I actually even now, I'm not sure if I'm saying the right one or the jokey one. But Mark's been a great sport from the beginning and a great, insightful, wonderful supporter. So Mark Canope is here. With this listener memory. Allow me to read. I sometimes get jealous, Mark writes, when I hear people talk about how they grew up with Star Wars. I did see The Phantom Menace in theaters when I was 11 years old, and I enjoyed the movie, but it didn't turn me into a fan. I didn't even see Clones, Attack of the Clones, or Revenge of the Sith when they were released. At some point, I did buy the Blu-ray box set of Episodes 1 through 6, but it was collecting dust on my shelf for a couple of years. Fast forward to 2015, the Chewy, We're Home trailer got me. I finally decided to watch the movies on Blu-ray and absolutely loved them. But The Force Awakens is really responsible for turning me into the fan I am today. My favorite memory during all of this happened on December 11th, 2017. I'd entered a contest and won two tickets for the Dutch premiere of The Last Jedi. I remember Mark tweeting about this. I've heard a lot of people mention how they needed a second viewing to really appreciate the movie, but I loved it right away. Getting the chance to see the movie a couple of days early was great. 
Seeing it in a theater full of Star Wars fans was an amazing experience. I will never forget. Mark writes something less positive that was uh, with it, that it took me hours to get home because of train delays. There was severe snowfall that day, very hot-like. It was especially annoying when the train doors wouldn't open, and I ended up on the next station about 12 kilometers away from where I live. And I'd call a taxi to get home because there were no other trains leaving anymore. So that day, December 11th, was a mixture of something really positive and something really negative. Light and dark. Balance? Let's go with that. In the end, that horrible journey home was still worth it because I'd just seen my favorite Star Wars movie. Often, when I ask for and share these memories from our listeners, they're of uh, the olden times because I am olden-timed myself. And uh, even then, I'm still younger to compared to some of the other Star Wars fans we have listening. And I love that. I love the generations of Star Wars fans. But a lot of times, our memories go back to seeing the movie in 77, seeing Empire, getting the toys in 83. Maybe it's a prequel memory that brought you in. Maybe you were a special edition era Star Wars fan, like my old pal Maude Garrett. That was the first time she had really seen Star Wars. It was in 1997 for this special edition of A New Hope. I think every iteration of Star Wars and every little uh, 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 moment in Star Wars fandom that springs up around a movie during that time is important because it helps spread the love of Star Wars around and it helps for the generations coming up behind you as a fan. I don't think anyone should lose sight of that. What's so powerful and cool about Mark's memory here as he was exposed to it. It says right there, oh, I love Phantom Menace. I saw it in the theater. Didn't see the other two. It didn't grab me. It didn't pull me in. But Force Awakens did. That Chewie were home moment is tremendously important. Me, Cat Navsock, balled his eyes out right on the uh, border of Nevada and California, a town called Prim, Friend pulled over. We're coming back from a trip. And I was heading that day to Star Wars Celebration. I needed to get down there from Vegas to Anaheim. And I'll never forget seeing that trailer on a phone while my friend, who's a Star Wars fan, Philip, gasped and I cried. It meant so much to me. And never apologize for Star Wars meaning that much to you. But for me, it was kind of literal. Chewie, we're home. We're getting new Star Wars. We're getting new Star Wars. And at that point in 2015, the movie's still a few months away, like, we didn't know what we were getting. Whether you are completely into The Force Awakens or not, I think you have to say at least it's a pretty big budget movie that worked. And that's hard these days. Yeah, Force Awakens was stripped down. It was simple. It was a soft reboot. I completely buy into that notion. It had similar points to not just A New Hope, but Empire and Return of the Jedi as well. The ships were the same. Oh, we got X-Wings. We got TIE Fighters. We got the Falcon. We got people we know. We got even Stormtroopers again. The First Order is like a newer version of the Empire. Okay. And I remember early on thinking, all right, we just basically got the Empire versus the Rebels again. All right, I guess we'll roll with it. That was before I'd seen the movie. And then I got it, and I bought in. And I bought in because of what Mark just wrote. It ignited the spark that would make him a fan, as Holdo would not really say but kind of say. And I love that. And that's why J.J. Abrams, no matter what he does with Nine, no matter what I hear what he's doing with Nine, and I think it's supposedly, you know, I'm hearing all good things, but I've heard some things where, you know, 
JJ's locked himself away in Santa Monica. Make it wants to make his own movie. He doesn't really uh, tap into the story group. All those kind of rumors, and they're just rumors because none of us are in the meetings. And I've even heard some of that stuff from people who go to Lucasfilm for work every day. You never really know what's going on. All that aside, I still look at Force Awakens and look at what J.J. did. Look what Lawrence Kasdan did. Look what Kathleen Kennedy did. Look what everyone did in the making of The Force Awakens. And I am forever grateful. And it's stories like this. Mark has been pulled in. The prequels didn't do it. The original trilogy sat on his shelf. It was this. New heroes, old heroes, new stories... And old stories told again, pulled him in. And I know he wasn't the only one. Often when we say, hey, pass it on to the next generation, I might directly be referring to forces of destiny. Star Wars Resistance coming up. Kid stuff. Star Wars is for kids, right? Well, Mark was 11 when The Phantom Menace came out. George would say that was the perfect age. That's what I wanted. But it did ignite a fire. And we're not talking about prequel jokes here. We're just saying that didn't work. The pull of the original trilogy didn't work. It was this stuff, and Mark was not a quote-unquote kid. Don't worry, Mark. You're still very young. And I love that. I love that Star Wars will roll on, and every generation will find it organically, but now they have much, much more to choose from. So when I see the trailer for Star Wars Resistance, you know... For me, this is the first time I've looked at something and said, eh, I'll watch it. I'm not, I don't know if I, at this point, I don't know if I'm going to be fully invested into it. It's the first time I've said that to myself in new Star Wars canon and eras. Everything else, Force of Destiny, I love. I had a fortune enough to become, uh, since then, become friends with Jennifer Murrow, who wrote the first two seasons of Force of Destiny. I love it. And yeah, it's definitely for kids at times. I mean, really, really for kids. Uh, I look at some of the other stuff. Star Wars Rebels at first didn't grab me. I think I was taking it too serious, and then the moment I released, Star Wars Rebels got serious. Um, Resistance is the first thing that I'm like, I don't know, it might not be for me, but I still think it's very important to not lose sight of the fact that there are others out there. We want this to keep going. We want this to be passed on to other people. I don't want Star Wars to end. I don't want the light to burn out. And I don't give a damn about Disney and Lucasfilm and what they're doing, because I think they put out some great stuff. Have they put out some weird stuff as well? Yeah. But also, so did George. I'm not talking about the prequels. I've been rewatching the Clone Wars, and I'm like, wow, George, you've got some interesting thoughts. So thank you for the memory, Mark. Thank you for letting Force Awakens into your heart and igniting that fire. I'm sure you're not the only one. So if you're out there, you have a listener memory, you want to share it, you can consider supporting us on Patreon. But if you just want to tweet something out as well and... and uh, uh, join us in uh, this listener memory. You can do so by following us at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag or hashtag Force Center and hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. That is it. But before we leave, as we like to do here on Spotlight Star Wars, we have a special in memoriam. We've had some big ones lately. We've had bigs. We've had Darth Vader. But this is back to a little bit of a smaller, more minor character. But every Star Wars character, no matter how small, their story, their journey, and their end is big to them. We'll see you next time on Spotlight Star Wars. 
A dancer. A wandering soul. Someone who wanted more but received only captivity. Her end came when she finally had had enough. Today, we pay our respects to Ula. She was a private dancer, a dancer for Jabba, but she wanted so much more. Ula was a proud Twi'lek born on Ryloth, a planet and people long under the oppressive thumb of the Empire, but that never stopped her from honing her natural talent. She learned her craft at one of the best dancing schools on Ryloth. She was an elegant dancer, a soulful performer. It was perhaps no surprise that a strong combination of naive, youthful wanderlust and fierce stubbornness led her to Moss Eisley on the Outer Rim world of Tatooine, with dreams of experiencing life in the opulent palace of a powerful gangster. Legend has it that Ula and another Twi'lek dancer were taken captive by Bib Fortuna, tricked by the Major Domo to Jabba the Hutt. And some claim that later a Jedi Knight dressed in all black attempted to free both. The friend left. Ula stayed. She had made a choice, and that's all she wanted. Ula was a beautiful being, a refined rose among the thorns of the vile Jabba's palace. After being brought into the crime lord's presence, she quickly learned that the palace life she craved was now her prison. She danced every night, a slave to the whims of a monster, and would escape to the grand stages of Ryloth in her mind. Those comforting visions would be jarringly tossed aside from her mind whenever Jabba violently beckoned. As Fortuna once told her, you will please him even if his only enjoyment is watching you die. And that proved to be too true. Ula had finally had enough. One night, a night like any other, the house band was playing, palace hangers-on were reveling, and Jabba interrupted her dance with a mighty tug of the chain attached firmly around her neck. That was the last time. She defiantly refused Jabba's demands. Ula would no longer suffer at the hands of her oppressor. The cost was her life. Her death was gruesome and a spectacle for the depraved, but never again would Ula be under chains. She was free. Rest in peace, Ula. May you dance freely forever. Thanks for listening to Spotlight Star Wars on Four Center. Follow us on Twitter at Four Center Pod and follow Ken online, including Twitch at Ken Knapsack. Consider supporting Four Center on Patreon at patreon.com slash Center. Go to fourcenterpod.podomatic.net for more information and use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to join the conversation. Until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on Four Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.